Hey everyone and welcome back to Crisis of Crime. My name is Rachel Means and I'm a criminologist. Thank you for joining me for my weekly podcast where we talk about criminology and criminal justice reform. Today I would like to talk about women and crime. I know I've done a podcast on this in the past. It was women, crime, and the problem with prostitution. But today I really want to focus on the theories of feminist criminology. And then at the end, I'll give you my hot take on what I think is the biggest reason of why we see female offenders and some male offenders as well. So why is it important that we learn about feminist criminology? Well, for the most part, almost all the criminological theories that we have have been written about white men. So they don't encapsulate the diversity that we actually see in the United States population. The very first person that we see developing any kind of theory about women and crime is Cesare Lombroso. Now you might remember Lombroso because he is the author of the positivist theory who said that people who committed crimes were genetic inferiors and they could tell who these genetic inferiors were by their external features. So Lombroso believed that individuals who had traits that were more along the lines of Neanderthals were more likely to commit crime. He believed that you could measure these external features to see how likely it was that someone was going to commit a crime. Now, of course, all of this was completely false. You cannot tell if somebody's going to be a criminal just by looking at their external features, But he believed that this was true for both men and women, that women who committed crimes were also genetic inferiors. He wrote about this in a document called The Female Offender. Now, Cesare Lombroso and some other men at that time, such as W.I. Thomas and Sigmund Freud, believed that women were inferior to men both physically and biologically. So not only did Lombroso think that women were committing crimes because they were genetic inferiors to the rest of the population, the women who weren't committing crimes, but he also believed that those women who were committing crimes were doing it as a show of masculinity to try to be on an equal playing field as men. Now, as I mentioned, this theory has been thrown out for a very long time, but we do still see this distinction in gender even today in our criminal justice system. One of the main areas that we can see this is in sentencing. So if a man and a woman commit a crime together and they should be charged with the same thing because they both played equal parts in it, the woman will usually get a lesser sentence compared to the men because women are often seen as accessories to crimes, not as people who are masterminds behind them or had any involvement in the planning. Women are also often seen as caretakers, so many judges and juries will take sympathy on them, not wanting to take them away from their families and their maternal duties. So I'm going to be talking about four different theories of feminist criminology today. They are the theory of liberal or liberation feminism, Marxist feminism, radical or socialist feminism, and the last is cultural difference feminism. So we'll start with liberal or liberation feminism. And this theory was written by two women, Frida Adler and Rita Simon. And they believed that as men and women became equal in society, that men and women would begin committing crimes the same way and at the same rate. Adler and Simon also believed in total equality. They believed that men and women should be treated exactly the same when going through the criminal justice system. Now, of course, where we are today, we're able to look back with hindsight 2020 and we're able to see that their hypothesis was not accurate because as men and women have become more equal in society, women still do not commit crimes the same way that men do. There's a lot of evidence to back up this idea that men and women have biological differences that make us express our emotions in different ways. When we look at how men and women react to strain, which are like the stressors in our lives, men tend to act with more of that outward aggression and women tend to act with more self-destructive behaviors. And that's why we see men as the main perpetrators of those violent crimes, things like murder, forcible rape, 
robbery, and aggravated assault. Women, on the other hand, tend to commit more nonviolent crimes, usually something like larceny, which is like shoplifting, or some kind of fraud, such as welfare fraud. But if you look at the crime statistics, the one category where women commit more crimes in that category than men is prostitution. It's a very controversial thing in itself, because if you've listened to my previous podcast where I did talk about prostitution, you'll remember that I said around 89% of people who are in the sex trafficking industry are there against their will. So when we treat prostitution as a crime, there's a very high chance that that person is there against their will and then we are now punishing them for it. And a lot of times when that person gets bailed out of jail, it's the person who's keeping them in that situation against their will that's bailing them out and putting them directly back into it. And we're going to come back to this idea of women doing things against their will. But first, we're going to talk about Marxist feminism. Now, Marxist feminism is similar to liberal or liberation feminism in that they believe there should be total equality across the board, but it's at a much further extreme on the spectrum. So Marxist feminists believe that the gender distinction between men and women is a form of exploitation. They go as far as saying that the institution of marriage is essentially a slave and a master because women are only seen as property. And this does have some truth to it. Originally, when women would take their husband's last name is because they were essentially their property. Women couldn't do a lot of stuff without their husbands being there to sign the documents, couldn't own land, couldn't open a bank account, lots of different things. So I understand where they're coming from. It's just very extreme. Marxist feminists also believe that capitalism is perpetuating this exploitative relationship between men and women and these gender roles that exist within it. So as I mentioned, Marxist feminists believe that everything should be completely equal. The work that we are doing for society, the work that we do at home, whether it's housework or raising children, they believe that it should be completely split down the middle by men and women if that's what the relationship looks like. So they believe if we could achieve that equality where everything is completely equal, straight down the middle, that men and women would commit crimes the same rate, the same type of crime, because we would all be completely equal and free to express ourselves and commit whatever crimes we want to, however we want to, essentially. The next theory is radical or socialist feminism. And radical feminism suggests that women's criminal behavior can be explained by men's control over women. So this is me coming back to that idea of prostitution and doing things against their will, because radical feminists believe that certain crimes can be explained by this control that men have over women. And these are crimes such as prostitution, labor trafficking, drug trafficking and drug addiction, and human trafficking. And just to be clear, prostitution, that includes sex trafficking. And what this theory really boils down to is that the patriarchy has this hold over women. It suggests that we're not kept safe and that we're not taken seriously when we come out as being a victim. When we go through the criminal justice system as a victim, especially in cases of crimes that are mainly perpetrated against women, such as rape and sexual assault. And I know that these crimes happen against men as well. They just happen against women at a much higher rate. But when we see women going through the criminal justice system trying to get justice for these kinds of crimes, they usually are not taken seriously. I don't know how many times I've heard a woman say, I didn't report it because nothing would have come of it, or I would have just been re-victimized and the guy or whoever did it wouldn't be punished accordingly. And we've seen this time and time after again. If we look back to the Brock Turner case where the guy 
raped a girl behind a dumpster when she was unconscious. And the judge was essentially saying he didn't want to ruin this young man's life, and so he only gave him six months in jail, which he only served three of them because of good behavior. Meanwhile, that woman who went through that is going to have to deal with that for every single day for the rest of her life, and then knowing that our criminal justice system failed her. We've also seen women coming forward and telling their stories about public figures who have committed a sexual assault against them or sexual harassment. And it's just across the board that when a woman comes forward to tell her truth, there is a line of people out the door waiting to discredit her or to say that she is lying. And I understand there are a very small percentage of times when someone is making a falsehood, but the fact is, for the majority of the times, it's not a falsehood, but yet it's still not taken seriously. So according to the radical feminist theory, women commit crimes because they are oppressed under the patriarchy, they're not taken seriously when they're victimized, and then they are taken advantage of and being forced into situations where they are now being criminalized for what they're doing. The last theory I want to talk about is cultural difference feminism, and this was written by a woman named Carol Gilligan. And her theory is at the opposite end of the spectrum. You might have noticed the first three theories that I talked about really revolved around men oppressing women and that being the reason why women offended. Well, Carol believed that men and women should not be treated the same at all, and that it was more about equity and not about equality. She believed that women were shaped by an ethic of care, and that men were more shaped by justice and rights. So she was suggesting that women like to take care of everyone around them, but not so much take care of themselves. Her theory suggests that women saw taking care of themselves as being selfish, and so our drive really is to take care of those around us and to have those very maternal instincts. So that drive to take care of everyone else around us would factor into women's criminal behavior and why they committed crime. They were committing it because they were doing something that was going to help someone else. Whether it was their lover or their child or their friend, they're doing it out of this ethic of care of wanting to help other people. So when we look at sentencing today, how women are usually seen as accessories to crimes, this really fits into that cultural difference feminism model because it's suggesting that women were there to help out the man to complete that crime. So needless to say, Carol Gilligan did not believe that men and women should be treated the same in the criminal justice system because she believed that men and women's motivations were wildly different on why they committed crime. Now, I don't think that just one of these theories of feminist criminology is the correct one or does the best to explain why women commit crime. I think that it's a spectrum and women can fall along it, but there's something that's not really addressed in any of these theories that I think really has to be talked about when we're talking about women and the criminal justice system and men to some extent as well. There's a link between the amount of trauma that someone endures in their life their mental health, and whether or not they engage in criminal activity. When we hear statistics that around 85% of girls in the juvenile justice system were victims of physical or sexual abuse, it's hard to ignore the fact that trauma and mental health issues can influence whether or not someone is going to engage in criminal activity. Now, as I talked about earlier, if we look at crime reports, 
the category where women are offending the most is prostitution. But I also said prostitution is a form of sex trafficking and a lot of women are there against their will. One of the most vulnerable population of women and young girls when it comes to human trafficking and sex trafficking is the homeless population. And studies show that around 97% of homeless women suffer from some kind of mental health issue. And around 87% of homeless women suffered from some kind of early childhood abuse. Another population of women that's more vulnerable to be taken advantage of and to enter the criminal justice system are women who struggle with substance abuse issues. And around 50% of women with substance abuse issues report having been victims of incest. Now I know that this is not just a female problem. I understand that both men and women struggle with mental health issues and have experienced trauma in childhood or at some point during their lives. But when we look at the statistics of people who are suffering from mental health issues while in prison or jail, the population of women with mental health issues tends to be a lot higher than men with mental health issues. So just to kind of give you an idea, around 55% of men and 73% of women in state prisons have mental health issues. Now, back in the day, we used to have asylums where you could send someone who was criminally insane, someone who had mental health issues and had also committed a crime. And of course, I've heard horror stories about these places, but the fact of the matter was we were distinguishing between people with mental health issues who had committed crimes versus people who had committed crimes on their own volition. Nowadays, we do not separate the two. Our prisons are acting both as a prison and an asylum. The fact of the matter is if we put more resources into helping people who have mental health issues and helping people who have experienced trauma throughout their lives, it would help decrease the amount of crimes that we see and the amount of people that we have in our criminal justice system and the people that we have incarcerated. Now, of course, I know that mass incarceration is a huge issue. It is multifaceted and it is not solely caused by people with mental health issues being put into prison rather than into a rehabilitation facility, but it is a component of it. So kind of just to clear up what my hot take is on women who commit crimes, as I mentioned, the biological difference between men and women when we experience strain, how men tend to be more outwardly aggressive and women tend to be more self-destructive, that self-destructive nature of women tends to cause more mental health issues for us. And having those mental health issues can change the way that you think about things and not make you as rational. And this can take you on a path that may end you up in the criminal justice system. So I do agree broadly with the feminist theories that we talked about today. I think I probably like the radical or socialist feminist theory the most, but I do think that you have to take mental health into consideration when you're talking about why women commit crime. And just once again, to reiterate, I don't think that means that you don't need to take mental health into consideration when you're talking about men. I just think based Based on the statistics that we see about trauma and mental health with women and young girls who are in the criminal justice system, it's something that cannot be ignored across the board. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Be sure to let me know what you think. Which theory do you think best explains why women commit crime? And do you think that mental health plays a big part of it? You can let me know in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube, or you can tweet at me if you are listening to this on a podcast. You can find me on Twitter, 
Twitter at Crisis of Crime. If you want to learn more about me, please visit my website. It is at www.crisisofcrime.com. There you will find all of my podcasts and videos as well as my links to social media. If you're enjoying this content and you would like to support me, I do have a support tab on my website where you can sign up to become a patron. Another great way to support me is just to like and share this content. Thank you all so much for tuning in today and I will see you next time.